It's time for episode 345 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 6th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's worth 1800 seconds exactly that's all i've got to say about that my name is dan morin and i'm joined by my co-host across this internet of ours mr micah Sargent. micah i was gonna make a joke about animal crossing and turnips and then i just didn't know where i was going with it you know i'm honestly still recovering from you k-ing me this morning and i just don't know how to feel about it uh i i sent i sent a message because one of my dogs had a little had a little vom accident and dan k'd me and um i don't know if it's just a just a matter of 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 years that separate us but i'm I'm reeling i gotta tell you okay okay all right am i old (laughs) or am i young i don't even know all right well we'll we'll answer that question at some later date when we have more time to expound on it but right now i want to introduce you to the first of our fantastic guests this week to my left, it is a writer, a photographer, and most recently, the author of Take Control of Apple Watch. It's Jeff Carlson. Welcome back, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me on, as always. Our pleasure. And to my left, it's another dungeon buddy, as well as a professional writer and a podcaster here on Relay FM with originality, uh, as well as the incomparable panelist. It is Aline Sims. Hello, Aline. Hi, I thought we were going to talk about tech, but now I just want to talk about Dan and how old he is or isn't. All right, moving (laughs) right along to the first topic this week. (laughs) My question for you is, is there a a problem or an issue or, or something that you just felt like could be improved in the technology that you're using right now due specifically to the world situation that we have found ourselves in is there something that you you know didn't think necessarily was a problem before and all of a sudden because circumstances have changed you're like ah if only they would change this to do this thing any features sticking out for you like that jeff uh nothing that specific other than like there are things there are bugs that i wish could be fixed like i keep running into home kit issues where uh <laughs> Devices that I've added to HomeKit and then either renamed or moved keep showing up back as they were. Uh, so that's just sort of highly annoying. And I think in a broader sense, uh, because I have a 12-year-old daughter, uh, I, I really wish that that the parental controls on all the different devices were sort of more consistent and more easily configurable. Like, they've come a long way. Um, and it does a lot of the stuff, but it always feels like, oh, okay, did I give her the right access? Is she able to, you know, to get into the, the, the webpage that her school uses for this class? And, you know, it just feels like kind of whack-a-mole. Since you said hardware, this opens me up to the opportunity to be able to rant. Um, I think <laughs> that every single device that has a camera on it, in it, around it, over it, under it, through it, etc., uh, floating near it, should be able to be used as a webcam. Right now, uh, we have mm-hmm. so many different uh, cameras 
in our daily lives. And uh, the fact that we are not able to use those for video conferencing in a, you know, a way that's, I, I would say, the most comfortable, the most um, convenient way is really annoying. And yes, I know, folks, there are apps and services and, and workarounds and roundabouts that make this kind of thing possible. But I would love it if I could just at the system level in, on my iPhone say, I want to use my iPhone's brilliant back-facing camera as a webcam and let me just plug it in via USB and have it be no software working in between, no using it over the network, none of that, just straight up raw from the webcam or from the camera, beautiful uh, streaming quality flying right out of that that phone. That would be wonderful. Same goes for DSLRs. It's just all of these little twists and turns we have to take to be able to use these cameras when you can't go online right now and get a Logitech C920 webcam without spending, you know, $300 or something because people are scalpers right now is absolutely ridiculous. And rant. Aline, your turn. Okay, I have three, three things. Okay. First of all, I have been playing so much Animal Crossing, (laughs) so much Animal Crossing. (laughs) And do you know how long it takes to save and load games on a Nintendo Switch? It's criminally long. Okay, maybe not criminally long, but it takes a long time. And sometimes I stop and think about when I was playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, how much time I spent on loading screens, and I want to cry a little. So Nintendo, please, the Switch Lite is amazing, but also please update the regular Switch with, like, more RAM, faster hard drive, like whatever you need to do so that I can spend less time staring at a black screen with a little island in the bottom corner and more time, well, being extorted by Tom Nook for in-game currency. Um, Also, I'm not spending a lot of time in email now. I mean, email always really stresses me out, but uh, especially now when I'm under a lot of cognitive stress, just from the general state of the world. We moved a couple of weeks ago and everything's still kind of in disarray. Um, and so I don't want to look at my email much. And I'm actually not even, I'm not even like triaging it a whole lot because it's so overwhelming to open up the mail app and see, I think, literally 1,400 unread messages right now. And it would be so nice if on my iPad and my phone I could group by sender and bulk delete. Like, I don't need to read 200 unread messages from Sephora. I'm okay. (laughs) You know, I I can just delete those and live my life. And I'd really love to see um, mail for uh, iOS and iPad to be able to do that. You can um, sort by sender in mail for the Mac, but I would really like them to also enable people to group by sender. And then the last thing is my Apple Pencil keeps disconnecting from my iPad when I'm in the middle of like using it. I'll be swiping it across the screen and all of a sudden it's just like, nope, nothing's happening anymore. So I have to forget my pencil and uh, and then repair it. And I would really, really love for this pencil I'm holding in my hand right now to cooperate with my iPad, please. Mm, yeah, so I don't have to return it. Good. Yeah, that would be a real pain right now. Yeah. Um, 
for me, what spawned this for me, and I, I think I wrote a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, um, going to the grocery store, which is like the main going out event of the week, uh, has become just more annoying to navigate. And one of the things uh, that I I appreciate Apple is doing is apparently in this upcoming 13.5 beta, making it so that it uh, notices if you're wearing a mask and defaults back to the password entry co- uh, entry screen much more quickly. However, my passcode is still incredibly long because I have Face ID and that was the whole point so I could have a very complex passcode. So what I'd really love is a system where essentially you can set a temporary passcode that's like very simple, like four digits. And you can set it based on an amount of time or a location and say like, until I leave the grocery store, have the passcode be these four digits. And then it automatically resets as soon as I leave uh, the grocery store and there, done. That way, I don't have to go to my current situation, which is just forcing the screen to stay on all the time so that I don't have to completely re-enter my passcode every single time I pull my phone out to check if I got the milk or not. So mm-hmm. I feel like that, for me, you know, I'm glad that Apple is making the uh, access to the passcode screen quicker, but my bigger problem is really like, I'm trying. I'm trying to have good security. World events have made that difficult. Let's just give everybody a break and add a way for them to make a simpler passcode. That's my feeling. But I like all of your suggestions as well. Thank you for those. Let's move on to our second topic, which comes from Jeff. So I've been getting questions about the uh, the Apple-Google joint venture that, that they're working on to develop a system-level contact tracing in iOS and Android. Uh, that's starting to take shape. It's still in beta, but um, you know it's it's definitely progressing. And so I'm just sort of curious, like uh, what your concerns or maybe lack of concerns are about the privacy implications of it. Um, you know, are, are are people that you know asking you about it as the resident expert? Uh, I just figure that as soon as it becomes a little more widespread, especially when it rolls out, there's going to be a lot of people who are like, "Whoa, wait! People are going to track my every move," and you know. Like, like, what's, what are your thoughts on on how this is shaping up? While I haven't fielded many questions, I have done a lot of thinking about it and reading about it and trying to better understand it in order to talk about it. And I think that one of the main things to understand about this that uh, folks have to have to be sort of told about and 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 warned against, you know, fear is that. The, the contact tracing API that Apple and Google are working on is better than other systems that are currently out there, and I wouldn't be surprised or you know in the future to be out there because of the fact that it is not a location based tracking system. Uh, it is simply a matter of if you have come into contact with another person uh, that you know uh, ends up saying I have uh, COVID nineteen. And at that point, then you can know and all the other people who've come into contact with you can know, but it's not using GPS data uh, to to track those locations, whereas many of the other systems out there are doing that. So this simple matter of, oh, my device was near your device, and they sort of had this Bluetooth kiss, uh, and oh, Bluetooth kiss is the name of my next band. Um, <laughs> That is is clearly what uh, what people need to understand, so that there isn't that fear. I think that uh, that comes from ignorance, and I mean that in you know the most uh, stark sense, just simply not knowing. I don't mean it in a in a negative light. Uh, Aline, what are your thoughts? 
You know, I don't really have privacy concerns for the reasons that Micah has kind of already outlined. I think um, I generally trust Apple to do what I consider to be the right thing uh, on these types of issues. If it were just Google, I would have more reservations. Um, But since it's them working in partnership, since it's, you know, the close range Bluetooth tech, that's not my concern. My concern is actually more with users and abuse and people electing not to report that they uh, were diagnosed, um, tested and diagnosed with COVID-19 or people abusing it and saying that they were diagnosed. Um, I am a little bit apprehensive about all of that because some people in this world are just agents of chaos who live to sow destruction and I, I guess a little bit reluctant to think that this is going to be an amazing thing just because there are so many human variables that are going to go into making this work that I'm I'm not sure it's going to be great. Yeah, I, so it's funny you asked this question and literally as you asked this question uh my my email got a like a pr thing that's like how secure is contact tracing i was like oh very relevant (laughs) to this um you know people have asked me about this and you know i think a lot of the concern comes from people who are like do we really want to put this information in the hands of like a private company it's like i totally get that like i totally get that concern however your alternative right now are these like huge centralized government databases that are the sort of competing with google and apple's framework and as much as I think the government should be responsible for, you know, essential services, uh, the problem with those is that we've seen how bad the government is about rolling out things like this. Um, you know, we've seen things like the health care exchanges and stuff like that run into a lot of problems. And the fact that Apple and Google are pre- presenting this as this is a tool which can be utilized by, you know, organizations like government-backed health organizations, I think makes a lot of sense. It's it's these companies actually are trying to do the right thing and provide their their expertise. All these health, you know, organizations, they have expertise as well in the health end of it, but they don't necessarily have the technological know-how. And so to me, that seems like the best possible pairing. I definitely have gotten people who, you know, have concerns. And a lot of times those are legitimate concerns. But I think that in this case, you can assuage some of those fears by pointing out exactly how the system works, as Micah described. Uh, yes, everything that you all just said was pretty much in my notes. Um, you know, I, like I, I may be overly optimistic, but... You know, the fact that Apple and Google are doing this and they don't seem to be doing it with a profit model in mind, like it genuinely seems like a bunch of very smart people at both companies said, hey, there's this terrible thing out there. And what can we do to help solve this problem or make things better? And, you know, sort of leveraging their expertise and the fact that there are, you know, literally billions of devices that can contribute to something better. Um, you know, it, I think the biggest thing about this is going to be when people start asking about it is just, you know, explaining, you know, like like this is just a really small Bluetooth handoff. It's all anonymized. Like nobody is going to be following you in their black helicopter. And for for a lot of people, you you can say that, and they're going to be like, "Yeah, but what about that black helicopter up there?" You know, and you're like, "Okay, whatever." But uh, you know, like I think that it's 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 good that it's being done, and I I trust Apple, especially in you know in privacy, uh, to do the right thing or mostly the right thing. Yeah, 
Exactly. All right. Well, that is two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. They have 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia. And with their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. Get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this show, and you will get access to Nanode plans starting as low as $5, uh, root access to your server along with API version 4 and Python command line interface, dedicated CPU plans with physical cores reserved just for you, and block storage and object storage that can scale to your storage requirements, plus so much more. Go to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise2020 when creating a new Linode account, and you'll get a $20 credit towards your next project. Oh, and Linode is hiring right now, so if that's something that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers to find out more. Once again, that's linode.com slash clockwise and the promo code clockwise2020 for that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime has concluded, and Micah Sargent is up to bat. That's how this works, right? I don't know what sports. <laughs> yes, he is. And yes, it is. I'm just curious, what's the most convincing fishing attempt you've gotten in the past few years? Aline, we'll start with you. Well, we've already established that I don't check my email. Well, <laughs> I don't read my email. So um, I actually, we use MailRoute for uh, all of our uh, triage needs. Well, some of our triage needs anyway. And it's it's really, really good at catching spam and phishing attempts. I don't, I haven't seen one because, you know, I get my, my mail route report. I skim through it. I look for, you know, email addresses I recognize, subjects that look plausible, and they never, ever, ever do. So I'm pretty lucky in that one, I'm pretty skeptical just in general. Two, I don't pay a lot of attention to my email anyway. And three, um, mail route, please sponsor my podcast uh, because <laughs> <laughs> we really do rely on you a lot. And it's, it's, it's a great tool. Yeah. I, find that like a lean i tend to i've seen some ones that are like really well put together and i'll look at them and be like nah you put some time and effort into this but as someone who deals a lot with writing and words almost always these things are let down by just poor grammar like you'll be like why isn't there an apostrophe in that you're like <laughs> that <laughs> seems weird and you're like apple is never going to do that um, and and uh, like Aline, I'm also a pretty suspicious person. So when I see the the links in the email, I always sort of you know hover over them and take a look. And then you get these really long URLs. Um, but I have had friends and family members like like ask for my advice on ones that they are like, oh, I got this email. Is this is this serious? And I'm like, ah, oh, no, it's not that big a deal. My favorite though, and this has got to be a bug because I know two people who have been hit by this. Um, my one of them is my wife uh on her microsoft account whenever it wants to send verification the email shows up for the longest time she wasn't getting the email and then the email showed up and it was all in russian now i speak a little russian and we did some like poking around and it turned out this email totally legit it is actually the microsoft email it's just for some reason thinks she's in russia and i've run into another friend who has the exact same problem so wow. less a phishing attempt than wow. some sort of super weird bug like we audited her account it's got two-factor authentication like nobody is getting into that account but for some reason they are convinced she's in russia very weird uh jeff what about you Duh, duh. Um, it's, it's, 
Uh, you know, I, I'm like you, like if I find it's pretty easy to spot a lot of these things. Um, if anything, some of the Apple ones are a little bit more convincing because Apple's correspondence tends to be, uh, you know, more brief. So things that are, you know, we need to authenticate your iCloud account. Uh, there have been a few of those that I've had to take a second look at. Um, my a, a relative of mine got fished really hard by one of these uh, to the point where, you know, someone was able to access her computer, and that was a giant disaster. Um, I'm actually more amused by some of the ones that are just so, so terrible. There was uh, one recently, like some uh, solar energy company, allegedly, um, they said we've installed solar panels on the roof of the White House. And there was this, you know, first of all, yeah, of course you have. Um, <laughs> and and there was like, like this quote uh, from, you know, President Donald Trump says it was great. Mm. And 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 that had a picture. Sound like <laughs> I know, and and had this picture of um you know this like like their truck in front of the White House, and like it was the worst five minute Photoshop job you can imagine. Like the shadows were going everywhere, the 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 scale was all off, like to the point where I sent it to some friends, and I was like, "This is audaciously bad." I'm <laughs> impressed. Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe I should have asked for the worst fishing attempt. Um, <laughs> I would say one of the funny ones uh, for me, and I got a series of these emails. So it was clear that someone had, you know, gotten an old password of mine in a breach. But it was funny because it essentially said something along the lines of, uh, hey, I know your pa- Oh, hey, blank. And with where the blank was, they didn't put my name. It was some random code. Uh, so clearly that was already wrong. But then it said, I know your password is. And then it said the password that is my password, except not capitalized properly. Um, I was able to use it to log into your, your, uh, your computer and view your uh, access your webcam and start to view you as you were looking at sex sites. And, uh, if you don't send money to this Bitcoin, uh, address, then I'm going to use that information to gain access to all your contacts and send the recording of you looking at sex sites. Uh, and yes, this is what they call them sex sites. Uh, <laughs> and then it went on to say, uh, and please don't respond to this email. It's been hacked. <laughs> Uh, so bravo, I guess. Um, it was ridiculous. And like I said, I got three or four of them from different people, all <laughs> warning of the same thing. Um, Are you listening to us? Why <laughs> did you send us any money? <laughs> You're the sex sites, please. Uh, it was, yeah, funny. All right, let's move on to our final topic, which comes from Aline. So Twitter, let's talk about Twitter is testing a filter that will prompt users to stop and think about posting quote-unquote offensive replies to tweets. Um, And so what are your thoughts? Is this going to help with abuse on the platform? Why or why not? What else could they be doing? Etc. (laughs) I feel like you just lobbed me a softball, Aline. I did. (laughs) Will this help? No. (laughs) Yep. Uh, The people who are using impolite language, that's like the least of the concerns, right? Like when you've got a platform that is essentially suffused with people who are abusive and they get a kick out of being abusive, right? Uh, They're not... 
they're not like god bless you twitter for your your pollyanna-ish naivete and thinking like maybe if we just ask them they'll be nicer would that the world were that simple uh but no the the people who are dedicated to this don't care they'll take that extra second and they'll post it anyways meanwhile the rest of us who don't mind letting off a good curse word every once in a while when the moment is appropriate aren't going to appreciate being policed for our language right like this is a platform where we can swear if we want to there's a difference between that and you know actively harassing people so i think twitter needs to look less at language and more at behavior and certainly they you know have opportunities for people to report abusive behavior and they try to follow up on that in a lot of cases but it's really uh, a very slipshod kind of like patching the dam in as everything happens rather than dealing with the systemic issues that underlie it yeah Twitter just so often comes across as a bunch of people who are like, you know, we have these really hard problems that we need to solve, but those are hard. So (laughs) what if we do something else? You know, this is like when you're in like a, a, a heated mode and you're going to reply with some, you know, bad language or whatever. How many times have you paused and said, oh, no, wait a minute. And the sky is open. Perhaps I shouldn't say that. No, if if I get a message that pops up says you really shouldn't use that language, that's going to make me use that language twice. <laughs> um, you know, it's like autocorrect. Like I never type the word duck. Okay, <laughs> um, and so it, it it just seems like like a little distraction. It also seems like yet another thing where uh, Twitter's not trying to deal with the with the actual problem it's like jane if you keep hitting your brother with a stick you might get blood on the carpet it's like (laughs) that's not that's not the important part but oh twitter go be twitter and you know swim in your cesspool i guess swim in your cesspool um i don't really have anything to add i don't (laughs) think that I don't I I don't think that uh it's going to help with abuse and I don't really think that maybe folks think that it's going to help with abuse. Um I don't know what the point of this is. I don't get it. And <laughs> I I don't know. There's no point in 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 saying a bunch of things that are just repeats of what other people are saying. So that's that's my answer. Any last thoughts, Aline? I think I think the big thing is I think well, two two major thoughts I guess is one they're doing this so they can be like, hey, look, we're trying to solve a problem. Um, it doesn't matter whether they think it'll be effective or not. I would hope that they're more plugged in than that, but who knows what some of the stuff that they do. And secondly, like abusers don't just use profanity. Abusers can use really, really nice language to be manipulative or cut to the heart of the issue. The problem isn't profanity or things that a simple filter is going to pick up and then be like, are you sure you want to drop an F-bomb right now? You know, like, that's mm-hmm. that's not the issue. And so I feel like this is just another thing that they're doing so they can be like, well, we tried, but look, they're still Nazis. And, you know, I just, I I love Twitter. I love the community uh, that that I have fostered and the communities I belong to, but as a platform, as a service, I just I I don't know what they're doing over there. It's <laughs> it's 
weird. You and them both, Aline. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. All right. Well, that is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get to that, I want to tell you this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Modern Workplace, a podcast from Microsoft. Look, we're all stuck indoors or maybe walking around if we're lucky uh, outside. And you know what? You need some stuff to listen to. And it's tough to find new podcasts. So let me tell you about a little show that you might be interested in called Modern Workplace. It's a monthly podcast that's discusses digital transformation and the future of productivity. Each episode brings you access to business and technology leaders who are creating the future with a focused topic, a deeper conversation with the Microsoft corporate vice president, plus related news and updates. Uh, I wanted to mention, I listened to an episode uh, just this morning uh, talking about the things that have been learned about remote work. And it was really interesting to me to hear a company as big as Microsoft talking about how they've had to adapt to working remotely. Because obviously, you know, they have uh, tens of thousands of employees spread across the world, a lot of whom are dealing with this. And they sort of talked about lessons they learned in dealing with uh, people being far flung, including like having these giant meetings and realizing nobody wants to watch a 10 minute video. Everybody gets really antsy. We need to find ways to engage people more so i thought that was a really interesting look at it they've talked about a bunch of other topics like ai machine learning security the art of teamwork all sorts of these things that are really interesting to hear the perspective of a big company so you should go and check it out now just search for modern workplace wherever you get your podcast that's modern workplace or just click the link in the show notes go check it out our thanks to modern workplace and microsoft for their support of this show and all of relay fm Okay, it's time for the bonus topic. You're all wearing masks when you go outside, right? What color is your mask, Jeff? My wife, my wonderful wife, uh, took some old Star Wars sheets of my daughter's and made uh, masks out of those. So it's it's light blue with uh, Millennium Falcons and TIE Fighters and Yodas on them. All right, now I'm jealous. Micah? Mm-hmm. Black. <laughs> all right, simple, <laughs> basic. Aline? I have several, but the one I've been wearing the most is one I bought from Tom Tom Ben, and it is black. Uh, I've mainly been wearing these uh, like surgical style masks that we have, which are blue. Uh, but a friend of mine is making some cloth masks, and I don't know what color they'll be yet. I'm very excited. All right, thank you all for that. All that remains is, of course, for us to thank our wonderful guests this week, uh, the author of Take Control, Apple Watch, Jeff Carlson. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you once again for having me on. I love it. And Aline Sims, thank you so much for joining us. So is Dan like older in spirit or in body? (laughs) Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back next week. But until then, we remind all of you listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.